March Madness 365 with Andy Katz is presented by Grammarly. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. Grammarly works seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. Get personalized on-brand writing help everywhere your team works. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. This is Champ Week. Selection Sunday coming up just a couple of days away. On this edition of our podcast, I will be joined by my selection for National Player of the Year, Luca Garza from Iowa does a great job describing what he has gone through. People forget he had a major, major health scare after year two at Iowa uh, that really could have derailed his career. And so he's going to go into detail about that, all the struggles that he went through at Iowa. Really, really want you to hear that interview. Goes into detail basically about everything that he's gone through at Iowa to come to this moment. And on Sunday, they retired his number for good, number 55. Will not be worn again at the University of Iowa. Quite an accomplishment for Luca Garza. Also be joined by Cassius Winston, formerly of Michigan State. We're going to talk a little March Madness, what he remembers from last year when everything got shut down, and his hopes for this season. Cats ranks looking at the potential bid stealers this week, Champ Week, and then Chad Acock will join me, uh, as he does every week, for my predictions from last week, and then I'm going to predict the conference tournaments this week, who I think will take home the championships and maybe expand a little on those bid stealers. Before we get to Luca Garza, it is time for my March Madness year-end awards. Let's start off with the National Coach of the Year. For me, it's Jawan Howard from Michigan. Think about this with Jawan. Second year in the program. He's got a new point guard in Mike Smith, transfer from Columbia. Brings in a guy in Chani Brown from Wake Forest. No issues. Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, Eli Brooks, all seamless as he joins them. Uh, there was no hiccup from a beeline to a Howard coaching staff. And this year, they had a 23-day pause. And when they came out of that pause, one at Wisconsin, one at Ohio State. I know they split at the end of the season with Michigan State and lost that home game to Illinois. But they still are the Big Ten regular season champs. No one predicted that. Nobody. They didn't make up three games, but it's three games they probably would have won. Home Indiana, at Penn State, and at Northwestern. And in talking to Isaiah Livers last week, it's really unbelievable how much his players absolutely love him, want to play for him. And he deserves it. My runner-up, Mark Few of Gonzaga, 24-0. Once again, that wasn't expected, but they knew they were going to be pretty good once they got Jalen Suggs. And he, you know, if someone goes with Few over Howard, I have no problem with that. I think it's more than deserved. And we had Mark Few on our podcast last week. Other shout outs I want to give Mike Boynton from Oklahoma State did a great job with the Cowboys. Scott Drew, of course, from Baylor, dealing with their paws. Bob Huggins from West Virginia. Nate Oates from Alabama and Eric Musselman from Arkansas, the top two teams in the SEC. Once again, nobody had that. My national player of the year, as I just teased, Luca Garza from Iowa. Dominant at his position in every facet of the game. 
led the Hawkeyes throughout the course of the season. They got a great shot to compete for the Big Ten title in Indy as well as the NCAA tournament and March Madness. This was close, though. Runner-up, Iota Sumu from Illinois. He's the closer. Phenomenal in the last couple possessions. But he did miss some games with the uh, concussion and the broken nose. And so I ended up leaning Garza. But once again, if someone goes to Sumu, I've got no problem with that. My freshman of the year, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Didn't have to go to college. He did. He delivered every night out. How about that 40-point, 44-minute performance and an overtime win against rival Oklahoma? My runner-up, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Sensational performance throughout the course of the season. What a passer. Oh, my God. Unbelievable passer. Helped Gonzaga become a number one team and undefeated. All right, so let's get to my top three teams, my All-Americans. First team, Luca Garza, Iowa. Iodosumu, Illinois. Jared Butler, Baylor. Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State, and Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. That's a strong five right there. Second team, a couple of freshmen here on this group. Evan Mobley, USC, freshman. Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, freshman. Kofi Coburn, Illinois. Drew Timmy, Gonzaga. Moses Moody, Arkansas, freshman. Third team, James Booknight, UConn. Had he not been hurt, he might have been higher. Miles Deuce McBride from West Virginia. Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, Macy Oteague from Baylor, and Moses Wright from Georgia Tech, who finished with 18 and 8 for the Yellow Jackets, 11 and 6, fourth in the ACC. And oh, by the way, Moses Wright was the ACC Player of the Year. Great year for Moses Wright, cracking my third team All American list. And I would have no issue if people want to move this group of 15 players around. I think they all deserve to be recognized. So let's get to our interview with my National Player of the Year, Luca Garza. He's going to get my vote in the Naismith Award. Luca, congratulations. So deserved. And it really is not just about your entire career, but you earned it every step of the way this season. Uh, as we get ready for the postseason, the Big Ten Tournament, and the NCAA Tournament, I mean, how would you assess the way you played this season? Uh, first of all, thank you. Um, but also, I think... You know, I was just so excited this summer uh, to join this team and be a part of this team. So for me, you know, my biggest motivation was trying to help lead this team to a championship. And 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 that's, you know, all that's on my mind right now heading into the postseason. But, you know, it's, it's been a really fun year, you know, with the offense and the guys we have. We've been sharing the ball, moving the ball around. You've seen so many spectacular performances from different guys on our team. And that's the dangerous thing about us is that we have so many versatile scores. And we've really been ramping it up on the defensive end. And I think that's what's led to our recent success. You know, way back, and we've talked so many times this offseason and into the season. I'm just curious, going back even before, you know, that announcement in September that the season was going to start on November 25th. I mean, how concerned were you about whether or not this would even happen? You know, obviously everyone had a little doubt um, just because of what had happened you know, the last year. So I think for our team, you know, the biggest thing is we were just try to stay as careful as we could. And we had a team meeting uh, to try and make sure that, you know, you're not doing anything besides, you know, really just staying in the house and, and going to the gym. And then credit to our guys. We've done a tremendous job of that so far. And, you know, knock on wood, we haven't had any COVID pauses ourselves throughout this year. Um, and, and hopefully that continues um, once we get to Indy. So in terms of you bettering yourself, 
it wasn't a normal offseason. How were you able to improve your game without sort of the traditional aspects of an offseason at a school like Iowa? I think you always just have to find a way, whether that's watching film, breaking down things from last year, or just, you know, finding ways to work out. Or, you know, when I was home, I was working out at home. You know, I was doing a lot of different things, um, you know, getting lifting plans for bodyweight stuff from our, you know, strength coach here at the University of Iowa. I was doing all sorts of things to try to improve myself. Um, and, and I was able to find a way. And I think that's similar to a lot of guys on our team. You know, you can see how, how many guys on our team improved from last year to this year. And that's because everybody individually found a way to help themselves improve. You know, I don't think everyone remembers your story. And if they don't, if you don't mind, just for just a quick moment, just what you've gone through. I mean, this nothing came easy to you. You had a major, major health scare early on in your career that I think at that point, this day of being a, a national player of the year might have seemed like, you know, something like that could never happen. What, what, if you can just take me back to what that scare was and how scared you were. You know, in, in the offseason going into my sophomore year, you know, I was working out all the time with my dad and, and, and different stuff like that. And, you know, I was feeling, you know, uh, a little uncomfortable um, in my abdomen area. And I didn't really know what was going on. I kind of had a bump, um, but I was always told that I just had, you know, a bone structure that kind of pushed out a, a side of me. So, you know, it started to hurt, you know, for the first time. And I think, you know, I found out after that I always had shoulder pain because it was referred from that area. But, you know, I went back to campus, you know, I've met with some of the doctors and I got an ultrasound and the first one didn't show anything, but the second one showed that I had a cyst um, in my abdomen about the size of a, of a collegiate volleyball. So it, it was huge. And that's what was causing the pain in my shoulder. That's what, you know, caused the bump. Um, and it was really scary at that time, you know, first, you know, not knowing if it was benign or not. And thank God. Um, but, you know, after that, you know, knowing that I had to get surgery right before the season, you know, I just spent so many, so much time over the offseason working, preparing for the season. And I didn't really know what was going to happen next. You know, going into the surgery, it was connected to my spleen. So if it had burst in surgery, you know, I would have been out for the year and, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so it was really scary. But I was really thankful uh, to be here at the University of Iowa with the doctors and the surgeons we have. And they did a tremendous job and working on me and everything went smoothly. And to see everyone on the team, you know, every person that's a part of the Iowa program came by the hospital. I was in there for four days probably. And every single person in a part of this program came by and that, that meant the world to me and just fueled me with motivation for the future. Just every chance I get, I'm going to work as hard as I can and play as hard as I can, um, you know, in this Hawkeye uniform. And, and it was just crazy that, you know, about like two and a half, three months later, I was standing in Madison Square Garden after we won the 2K Classic and you know, I received the MVP. So it was just really, really surreal. And I'm just thankful for my teammates and coaches and, and obviously the doctors and surgeons here at the University of Iowa. You know, when you think about it, Luca, think about this team. Patrick McCaffrey, major cancer scare before he even got to Iowa, but you know that affected Connor and, of course, Fran McCaffrey and Meg, uh, their family. Uh, Jordan Bohannon, your close friend and teammate and classmate. I mean, he had pretty major hip surgery. I mean, it feels like this group and, you know, now unfortunately Jack Nungy's out. This team has gone through a lot to get to this point. I mean, what, what can you tell about the way this group has stayed together through some very difficult health issues off the court? You know, I, I think, you know, we've, we've been through a, a ton of adversity over, you know, my, my career here, you know, especially starting out my first year going 14 and 19. 
and, and being on the bottom of the Big Ten. Um, and, and so that's kind of where it started and fueled all of us to continue to work hard. And then we you know, put ourselves in a position to be an overtime away from the Sweet 16 the next year with the same team. So and I think we've been through so much, and, and obviously through those years, with the different injuries to different people, the surgeries, everything like that. And I think it's only brought us closer together. And we all support those guys. And, you know, and they're all, you know, we all motivate each other. You know, like Patrick just, you know, that, that story inspires me every single day on what he's pushed through. And, and the same with Jordan. Um, and, and then obviously with Jack, you know, it's heartbreaking that he's not going to be out there with us in this postseason because he deserves to be, uh, but he will in the future. So uh, I'm, I'm very uh, thankful for the, the team we have. We have a lot of guys who have pushed through a lot of adversity. I think that that's what makes a team that's built for Marsh. So I know you're close with your entire family, and maybe it's just because what I can see, but there seems to be something really special with you and your dad, Frank. And I don't know if you can express just what he has meant to you along the way here. And it was so great to see, you know, that your family could come to these games toward the end of the season as things started to open up a little bit. You know, he, my dad means the world to me. I think, you know, in, in my career here, I think he's missed, you know, less than eight games, you know, over my time here. He's been everywhere uh, supporting me. And in the offseason, he serves as a, a trainer and a coach, but he, he just plays so many different roles. You know, a, a best friend. You know, I, I'm just really thankful for my dad. He's, he's pushed me and believed in me from, you know, day one when, you know, I didn't even believe in me and I didn't think that all of this was possible and he did and he's going to continue to do that as I continue to work and push hard to, to reach my potential. But, you know, I'm thankful for all of my family. My mother and my sister um, got to come to my senior day, which was really special for me. You know, my, 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 my mother hasn't come to a game this year um, because of COVID and because of her work. She can't really leave D.C., um, but she made the effort to come out there, and, and my sister's the same. My sister works with COVID patients, so she has a vaccine, but uh, you know she's still scared of it. And 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 so it was really nice for those two to be able to come out there and, and see that game and and watch us win. It just it feels better when they're there. So you know I'm really thankful for my family. I have so much family, you know, uh, really across the world. You know, when you talk about Europe and everybody who's just been supporting me um, throughout my career. So the 55 will not be worn by another Hawkeye. It was natural. I think we all got emotional watching you be emotional. I'm just curious your reaction uh, now after the fact that this had been planned without your knowledge. What are your thoughts now uh, as, as we're talking 24 hours later after that happened? You know, it was crazy. You know, I was kind of blindsided by it. You know, I, I knew it was senior day, and I had no idea that they were going to do that on that day. So I was just kind of overcome with emotions, you know, from senior day and from, you know, coach telling me, that, that was going to happen. Uh, it, it means the world to me. You know, never, uh, I never thought, you know, coming here to the University of Iowa that, you know, my jersey would be retired even before I was done playing. And and so that's, it's, it's so special. And I'm just so thankful for the, for the coaching staff for giving me an opportunity to come here to the University of Iowa. I don't think this would happen anywhere else. And, and, and my teammates, you know, I, they, those guys make me look really good. You know, when you have tremendous, you know, passers and, and guys who can really give me the ball and put me in positions to be successful, uh, you know, a lot of the credit goes to them. So I, I'm really thankful to have played with some amazing players over my career here and, and to play for an amazing coach. Yeah, I just want to add on that real quickly here. There was a hug on Sunday between the two of you. Clearly, you know, he took a chance on you, um, which in hindsight is kind of crazy. I mean, who wouldn't take a chance on you? But still... That had to be done. What does Coach McCaffrey mean to you? Oh, I mean, he changed my life. You know, he, he saw me, uh, you know, when I was 
sophomore, you know, a little overweight, you know, coming off of surgery. Um, and, and, and he, he saw something in me that, you know, a lot of coaches didn't. And, and it took a lot of coaches to come around. And, and, and then when I became kind of a high major player towards the end of my AAU career, but he had offered me, you know, two years before that. And so he had really saw something in me early. And, you know, I think that meant the world to me that he saw that. And then, you know, since day one, he's pushed me to improve, um, you know, every step of the way. And I've learned so much from him. And, and, and so he, he means the world to me. He's going to be the world to me for the rest of my life. And, and I'm just so grateful for him and his family. All right, last thing. First things first, Big Ten Tournament in Indy. I remember seeing you guys outside walking in, I think, for a practice a year ago at Banker's Life. You never actually got to play that game. I feel like I'm sure all of you do, which is we got to get there. We got to get past March 12th and finish what we started a year ago. Uh, we're back in the same city. I'll be there. Uh, what are your thoughts of going back to Indy to hopefully do that, to just finish what we started a year ago, get this Big Ten tournament in, and get the NCAA tournament in, and obviously, hopefully for your sake, have some great success? You know, this team uh, is super excited. And I think we're all very motivated from last year. You know, I thought we really liked our draw in the Big Ten tournament. We thought we were going to put ourselves in a good position, have a good seed for the NCAA tournament as well. So, you know, that's that's fueled us since that moment. And I think, you know, this this team is really excited for the opportunity to win a championship. You know, that's all we've been talking about. Um, and, and all season, all before the season, preparing what we worked for, it, it's all coming now. Um, so, you know, we're really excited for this opportunity. We're going to play as hard as we can. And if we defend like we've been defending these last couple of weeks, you know, I think we're going to have a good chance. And, and that's what we're going to try to do. Congratulations, Luca, on not just a great year, but a great career so far. You got more work to do. Uh, you are my national player of the year for March Madness and get my vote for the Naismith Award. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, it's time for Katz Ranks. For this week's edition of March Madness 365, let's start with my top 10 bid stealers in conference tournaments this week. Let's start at number 10, Duke. While the Blue Devils start the ACC tournament on a Tuesday against BC, it's still Duke. So I have to have them on this list. You never know. They could go on a run. I don't think it'll happen, but I feel like I at least should put them on the list. At number nine, Providence. The Friars have to get through DePaul and then UConn. Uh, won't be easy and then it would be potentially Creighton or Villanova. But the Friars did beat Villanova. They certainly have the potential to go on a run. Uh, We've seen flashes of that, so let's put the Friars on there. Kentucky in the SEC. The Wildcats have Alabama in its path. They'd have to get by the tide, but uh, they have played well in stretches and they're playing well now. So let's see if Kentucky can do it. Stanford. The Cardinal had moments this season where they look like an NCAA tournament team. They're not one now. Got to get by Cal, Colorado, then maybe USC. So can the Cardinal do it? Maybe, but I think they should be on this list. Indiana. Now, Indiana's got quite a mountain to climb in the Big Ten to try to win, you know, to even get to the final. But the Hoosiers have traced Jackson Davis, got an experienced backcourt. I think they could be potential bid steal. Syracuse. Not in yet in the ACC. Uh, They'd have to get past Virginia. They did not play well against Virginia, but it's doable. So let's see what the Orange can do. St. John's. 
The Red Storm in New York certainly are dangerous. They can beat Seton Hall. They could beat Villanova. They could beat Creighton or UConn. St. John's could be a legit bid stealer out of the Big East. Here's what gets interesting. Ole Miss. The Rebels are very, I mean, I, I think they're a dark horse in the SEC. South Carolina, LSU, and Arkansas are in the Rebels' path. And they're all winnable games for Ole Miss. Memphis. The Tigers were right there to knock off Houston. Lost at the buzzer. Can they beat Houston and Wichita State in the American? Sure. It's all doable. So I would still say that Memphis has a chance to steal a bit out of the American. And Boise State. They're at the top of my list. They've been in, they've been out, they've been in, they've been out. They're the fourth seed. Top four not getting in from the Mountain West. Can they beat Colorado State and Utah State and maybe San Diego State? Yes. So they could definitely steal a bid from someone either in their league or somewhere else. So as we head into Champ Week, those are my top 10 potential bid stealers. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Cassius Winston, formerly of Michigan State, now part of the Washington Wizards organization down at the G League in Orlando. Uh, Cassius, we're almost at March 12th as you and I are talking here. And I feel like once I get through March 12th, through the Big Ten tournament, I'll feel like we've crossed that threshold. I just got to go back because it, it's sort of all in all of our minds right now. Can you help me go back to a year ago? of what that was like when it all shut down and we knew we couldn't finish the Big Ten tournament, let alone the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a mixed emotions, you know what I mean? It was, uh, it was a lot of things going on. Uh, shocking, uh, a little heartbroken that you just didn't get your last, you know what I'm saying, your last go around. That was, you know what I mean? It was looking forward to that. It was a big reason why I came back to school, a big reason why I came back to Michigan State for another year. Like, you want the opportunity to kind of go and have a chance to, Leave something special, like make something special happen. I feel like we had just this amount of opportunity to do that as anybody in the country. So, you know, you didn't get that opportunity. So that that will always suck. You know what I'm saying? That will always be something that you kind of like what could have been. So all those type of things where it just happened so fast and you just everything happened so suddenly. You just you now you look back on you like we really didn't get a tournament. Like that's that's crazy. But during the time, it all just happened so fast that you didn't really get a chance to process that. So your last memories, I know you were in the final four two years ago, but to me, it's always going to be the Elite Eight win in D.C. over Duke. Like that's my lasting Cassius Winston memory. And you've got that. When, when you look back at that memory, what do you remember most? Man, just that. You know what I mean? I, get, I accomplished some great things during my career, not just myself, but me and my teammates. We accomplished some some really great things. And, like, while you're in it, you don't even think about it that much. You're like, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to win the next game. I'm trying to win a championship. I'm trying to make it to the NBA. I'm trying to, like, it's more goals that I'm trying to, like, it's just more things that I'm trying to accomplish. But when you take a break from it and look back on it, you're like, you know what I mean? Like, we made it to a Final Four. You know, we beat the best team in the country. We like, we accomplished those things against all odds against a lot of people didn't think we could do it, but we believe in ourselves. We worked hard. Uh, we went out there and played our uh, good game, played basketball the right way. And we made that happen. You look back on it, you can say, Oh, that was really special. Like that, that doesn't happen often. So it's one of those moments that you get to remember, you get to look back on, you say, okay, wow, that was, that was actually pretty incredible. So the seniors are getting sort of a free pass this year. I'm just curious. I mean, we can't go back, if that had happened a year ago, how much do you think you might have considered coming back for another year? 
I I mean, I think I was pretty well. I think I was done. I think I was, I think, me personally, Michigan State was great to me. I love Michigan State to death, but I pretty much, I think I milked all I could out of Michigan State uh, by my in my four years. I accomplished a lot of great things. Like I said, I don't regret it at all, but all good things had to come to an end. I feel like that was that was one of those things where it's probably the end of Cassius Winston at Michigan State, no matter how that year kind of ended. So your good friend and former teammate Joshua Lankford, he got another shot because he was hurt. And now it looks like Michigan State will get that chance in the NCAA tournament. What, what are your feelings about Joshua getting that second shot that he didn't have last year because he was hurt, and now he's getting that shot because more than likely they're going to be in? Oh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him, man. All he's been through, you know, the ups and downs he's been through in his career, his time there in Michigan State, he kept his head up high. He worked hard for it, and he deserves opportunity. You know what I'm saying? He deserves opportunity to go out there and play and compete. For the at the highest level and go out there and show that he belongs. You know what I'm saying? He belongs out there. Everybody knows what Josh can do. Everybody knows what Josh is capable of. A lot of people are going to forget because of just the time that he missed. So to have the opportunity to go out there at the biggest stage, to play down the stretch and make plays and big games, you know what I mean? Like all those type of things is just a credit to his work, a credit to him sticking to it. And you know what I'm saying? That's hard to do. A lot of people can't do that. So two weeks ago, there was no way Michigan State looked like they were going to be in the NCAA tournament. But then we get into the Izone month, if you will, instead of March. And I said they had to go four and two down the stretch. It's exactly what they did. And within that four, they beat Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan. Three teams competing for number one seeds. They're going to be in because no other bubble teams got those kind of wins. What is it about this time of the year that you and former players have the faith that, you know what, they'll get this done? Like, we work so hard throughout the year that, like, you just, you know, eventually it's going to break through. I already know they was working hard. I already know they was having film sessions. I already know they was in the gym getting shots up. I already know that there was just a lot of things they probably had to mesh together, a lot of things that just rhythm, time, and all those things you got to gotta work your way. But you know that you're not worried about any team. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was happy that Michigan had a great resume. Like, that, that's good for us. I'm glad y'all got that down the stretch. We need a big game. Like, I'm glad y'all had that so we can come here and get that, add that win to our resume. Because, like I said, we just don't, in these situations, like, it's not necessarily an underdog feeling. You mean? And a lot of teams, when they get down like that, towards the end of the year, have a year like that, you get an underdog feeling. At Michigan State, there's never really that move. You know what I mean? Like, we feel like we go out there and we got the equal opportunity to win just as amount of games as the team that we're playing. Every, every opportunity to win those games. And to have that kind of confidence down the stretch at the end of the year, like that's big for uh, that's big for teams. And it's big for them to have that kind of confidence going down the stretch. And lastly, Cassius, I'm just curious, you're in the bubble down there. I know you're entering the playoffs, but when you get back out of it, will be March Madness. You're an alum. You're going to see your, your school up there, Michigan State. How much do you think now you can be a part of what I think will be a lot of fun of comparing in locker rooms, you know, who you're picking, cheering on your alma mater, going against other pros and, and, and their teams? Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of pride. And everybody got pride in where they came from and the school they went to and what the school meant to them and things like that. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm lucky to have a school like Michigan State where I can say, you know what I mean? We won three top five games in two weeks. Like, you know, they don't do that everywhere. Like, I know they don't do that everywhere. So, definitely a proud alum. Proud to say that that's where I came from. And, you know what I'm saying? It's make it easy when they go out there and do things like that. So, I'll be rooting for them. I know what they're capable of the world and starting to see what they're capable of. So it's, it's just fun to see. Appreciate it, Cassius. All the best to you. I know you're going to continue to have great success. Stay safe. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. You too.
And now it's time here for March Chadness on March Madness 365. Chad Acock from Turner Sports. And Chad, uh, last week was the last full week of the regular season. So before we look at champ week and we get a bracket on Sunday, uh, how did I do in the last week of the regular season? Yeah, Andy, strong, strong finish, Andy. We asked you to pick 11 games and four conference tournament winners. And I kind of separated those out because the conference tournament winners weren't individual game picks. You're looking at a big field, you pick the one winner. Um, but you did really well on both. You went eight and three in the game picks and you went three and one on the on the conference tournaments. Some of your biggest wins, Andy, you know, UNC won at home, Iowa over uh, Wisconsin, Baylor over Texas Tech, Texas over Oklahoma. Um, things of that nature, even the Oklahoma State game on the road at West Virginia, like that was pretty pretty strong. Um, Winthrop, Liberty, and Loyola Chicago all came through for you in the conference tournaments. Only miss was Belmont in the OVC. Um, but Andy, I mean, on paper, you're you're feel you're, you're looking good. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Um, yeah, that was a big surprise. And I will say this: this is my soapbox here, and I really hope that Belmont gets in the NIT. It's only a 16 team uh, NIT. So usually if you win your league in the regular season, it's an automatic birthday NIT. I hope they get a bid because they deserve it. I think they deserve it more than, you know, some sort of bottom dweller in a power league. Uh, they went 26 and four. They got to complete 30 games, which is an accomplishment in itself. And so I hope Belmont gets rewarded with an NIT berth. And I think they will. And so, yeah, you know, g- great games, strong finish to the regular season. And, you know, there's really only, if I'm not mistaken, Two schools that sort of were dealing with uh, major COVID pauses at the end were Virginia Tech, and they're ready to go for the ACC tournament, and SMU in the American. And think about what we had over the weekend. You know, Houston, Memphis, buzzer beater. Michigan State getting that win over Michigan. Illinois with Io coming back to knock off Ohio State on the road. Baylor looking great again, which is what we all want to see because we want to see this major showdown coming up in March. So I think everything's trending in the right direction uh, and all positive. I'm going to keep being positive as we go forward. That's right. No, good recap there of those those big Sunday moments across the board. Um, but Andy, now we're going to kind of pick your brain on some of these other bigger conferences uh, in the second week of conference tournaments. And I want to start with the Big 12. Uh, the top four seeds ended up being Baylor, Kansas, Texas, and West Virginia. Um, Andy, I mean, it feels like anybody in that league could win it outside of maybe the bottom two or three teams. Um, even at Oklahoma State at the five seed, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, even as the seven seed could be a threat. Andy, who do you like to win this this tournament? Is it Baylor? And then maybe who are some dark horses here? I do like Baylor, and I do think that they're going to have some fans, but it's not going to be like the Kansas tournament as we've seen in the past in Kansas City where they've just dominated the fan base. And, you know, nearby Oklahoma State, uh, you know, certainly could could fill it up. But I, I, I like Baylor to win this. But I also think Oklahoma State, if there's one other team that could pull it off and, and talking to Mike Boynton over the weekend, you know, he's pretty confident that Cade Cunningham will be good to go, which is great news. I think they're the dark horse to, to win it because they've been able to play with any of these teams in the league. And so I like Baylor, but Oklahoma State is that other team that I could see winning it. All right. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Oklahoma State, you're right. They've They've competed with everybody, and they've gotten some big signature wins, too. They're hot at the right time. Um, Let's shift to the Big Ten. This one will be an Indy, so kind of a pre-tournament bubble before the actual March Madness tournament hits Indy. Michigan got the one seed despite losing to Michigan State on Sunday. But Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, they're all the other double buys here. Um, You know, with the massive tournament, we got double buys in these big ones. Andy, 
before we get to your pick to win, I want you, I want you to kind of give us a little bit more evaluation on the dark horses. There's so many teams that could compete, what, 10, 11, 12, um, maybe some teams on the back end of this bracket you think could make a run and then give us your winner. All right. Well, I'm going to give my winner first. I think it's Illinois. Uh, the fact that Io came back, I think, is significant. Michigan obviously did not play as well against Michigan State. Illinois is playing the best basketball at the right time. So they're my pick to win it. If there is a dark horse, I actually think it's Purdue. You know, Purdue is the team that I think could win this thing. They're playing really well right now. Zach Eady is a problem at 7-4. Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams, another big inside, but Jaden Ivey on the wing, uh, he's just really shattering the ceiling of his potential. Uh, and Sasha Stefanovic is back hitting threes. So Purdue is my dark horse. Illinois is my favorite. Um, you know, Iowa, I would look at them, but Joe Wieskamp's ankle injury on Sunday, even though, you know, he's likely to play, that scares me, picking them. As I look at the rest of the group, uh, Ohio State's not been playing their best basketball. Same with Wisconsin, Rutgers, Maryland. You know, Michigan would be the other choice, but I like Illinois. I'm, 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 I'm putting everything toward Illinois right now. Yeah, Illinois is a hot team. They're your team of the week. But yeah, as a dark horse Purdue, they they avoid Illinois until a potential final matchup. So that could be fun to watch, see if your dark horse and your, your pick to win could end up facing off against each other. Let's look at the ACC now. Virginia and Florida State took the top two spots. And, you know, that could have been maybe predicted preseason. Um, but what surprises you uh, when you look at the rest of the bracket is how it shaped up. You know, Georgia Tech locked in that fourth seed and double bye. Um, they've been playing great down the stretch. But Andy, like some of these we just didn't see coming preseason, like Duke being the 10 seed, UNC all the way to the 6 seed. Andy, what are your thoughts on the ACC tournament and who do you got to win? This is a hard one because two weeks ago I would have said for sure Florida State. Virginia kind of backdoored into winning the championship. They have not really been playing well. Clemson's been all over the map. I like the way Georgia Tech's trending, but I don't know if they've got enough to knock off Florida State and Virginia. And I, I just don't feel like you know, I, as I just, you know, went through with Baylor and Illinois, I just don't have like a feeling on one team in this grouping because I could see I could see Georgia Tech winning. I could see Florida State, Virginia, you know, could Clemson get hot. All those could win it. And so to me, the safest bet is to go with Virginia because I know they're going to defend. And if they make threes, they'll win. So that's the safest bet. And then probably Florida State after that. But what Florida State did last week really scares me. The fact that they, you know, dropped that game to Notre Dame when they had a chance to win the league outright and just didn't answer the bell. And so I'll go with Virginia just because I feel sort of safe with them. So I'm going to, that, that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, neither team, neither team, Virginia or Florida State or even the rest of this field, <laughs> feels like an obvious pick. It's just nobody's really overly hot. Nobody's, you know, on a big run, but. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch either way and see who gets hot at the right time and get some momentum going into the tournament. Let's change gears to the SEC, where Alabama kind of stayed strong all season, locked in the one seed. Arkansas really got hot down the stretch, too, and landed the two seed. LSU and Tennessee rounded out those last two double buys, and then Kentucky ended up finishing eighth. So, Andy, who do you like to win? Is Alabama your pick, or do you see a, another team kind of rising up here? I'm going Arkansas. I think the Razorbacks are just trending in the right direction. Moses Moody, I think, is going to really be one of those players that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks that had a great postseason and really, you know, his career sort of took off when people took notice of him. I mean, he's had a really, really good freshman year that has not been on the radar just because Arkansas has not had that national pub that, 
you know, in a lot of years they've they've had in previous years. So I'm going to go Arkansas as the pick to win it. I wouldn't say Kentucky can't because they can. But if there's a dark horse, and maybe I'm jumping ahead as a bid stealer, but a team that really could cause some problems here in this league, I'm going to give you a flyer. And we talked about it in Cats ranks in earlier in the podcast, but I think it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss has shown this season they can beat teams in this league that are above them. And they're the one team that I could see causing some problems and essentially, uh, you know, winning this thing. But I'm going to go with Arkansas. That's going to be my pick. Yeah, Ole Miss, a team that they're very streaky. So if they're hitting their threes, yeah, you're right. They could make a run with anybody. Um, but if they get cold, obviously they can get bounced in the first round. So that's that's a, that's a, that'll be a fun team to watch in this SEC tournament. Uh, the Pac-12, you know, the Ducks finished on top, closely followed by USC, then Colorado and UCLA. And for me, Andy, like that's where the gap is. You've got these top four teams, and then they got the rest of the league. Andy, do you agree, or do you feel like there's another team outside that top four that can make a big run? Yeah, I don't see it. It's going to come from one of those four teams, and I'm going to lean USC. You know, Oregon didn't play the full slate of games, and yet they won the Pac-12. Uh, yes, they're healthy now, and, and Chris Rocktree is playing really well. UCLA has never been fully healthy because they lost Chris Smith early in the season. Colorado scares me because, you know, it's hard to be all in on the Buffaloes. Sometimes they'll lose a game like to Cal and Washington. I mean, USC is the most talented team. And, you know, USC's never had a great home court. So playing on a neutral court where there aren't going to be fans really should not matter to them. And I like the Trojans. I think you have Mobley, Drew Peterson, Ethan Anderson. There is no question they have the most talent. I think they win it. Yeah, strong front court. They're a fun team to watch, too. So I really hope we get a USC-Oregon matchup. I think that'll be a lot of fun. This is a Dana Altman type of team. They always find a way to get hot in March, leading into these conference tournaments, and then, you know, March Madness. So we'll see if they can do it again. Andy, the Big East, Nova's the top seed. But losing Colin Gillespie, like, I mean, that's that's huge from a leadership perspective, from an on-court uh, talent perspective. Andy, how do you feel like Nova will do in this tournament? Creighton's the two seed, UConn's the three seed. It feels like, you know, it's not as deep of a field compared to these other leagues. But uh, Andy, who do you like to win? I like UConn. I saw them in person, actually. And uh, I love the backcourt of James Booknight and RJ Cole. Uh, Sonogo inside when he stays out of foul trouble. They've got all the pieces. They're defending. They play the way Dan Hurley teams like to play. Uh, I think they've got the best player in the league in James Booknight. I feel awful for Colin Gillespie that he's done for the year. Justin Moore got hurt in that loss to Providence. I mean, they're just not the same team at all. And Creighton isn't either. And so I think UConn wins this. It's kind of also a shame that their first year in the Big East at Madison Square Garden that you can't have a packed house because UConn fans historically have packed the garden when they used to be in the Big East. Uh, and they're just going to have to wait another year till 2022, hopefully. I think they win it. How do you feel about Xavier in that league? They're the seventh seed. We've seen them get hot at the right time, had some pretty big gaps, uh, you know, when they had to be, go on pause. What do you think about the Musketeers here? Not sold. I, and I think they got to win a couple games to feel comfortable to get in the NCAA tournament. Marquette beat them over the weekend. I think they've got work to do. No question. They've got work to do. And uh, winning two games certainly will help their cause. All right, Andy, let's, we've kind of covered the major conferences, Andy, but let's look at maybe some bid stealers. You, you talked about it on your catch ranks, different teams and their paths to win, but who are some of your favorites? And realistically, how many do you think we could get from this group? Well, I've given you my teams in the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big East, and they were all mentioned in my bid stealers. So the two leagues we didn't mention 
are at the top of my cat's ranks. To expand on that, you know, Boise State's been in, they've been out, they've been in, they've been out. They're the fourth seed. They would have to get through Colorado State, Utah State, and likely San Diego State to win this. Or I should say Utah State or Colorado State because that 2-3 will play. So excuse me. So they're going to have to get through one of those two and San Diego State. They're certainly more than capable of doing it. They could go up and grab a bid. Does it become three out of the Mountain West? Possibly. Memphis, boy, that shot doesn't go down uh, for Houston. You know, is it a different story for Memphis? But look, they can play with Houston and Wichita State. They'd have to beat both of them to win this league more than likely. I think they can do it. Uh, So I think one of those two schools definitely can steal a bid in the back part of the bracket. And give me your final prediction here, Andy. Duke and Kentucky, do either make a run and steal a bid? No. I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, you know, I don't either. You know, part of the problem is, I'll just say this, Chad, with Kentucky, even though, you know, they played Alabama well, uh, I don't like that matchup for them. If they if the bracket had matched up a little differently where, you know, maybe they weren't going to play Alabama until the final, I might have thought differently, but they're going to have to play Alabama earlier. And I don't think that bodes well for Kentucky and Duke, you know, I don't think any team's ever won the ACC tournament starting on Tuesday. Uh, that's just such a mountain to climb that I don't see. Yeah, Kentucky got swept by Bama, so definitely a, uh, a tall task uh, for the Wildcats in the SEC tournament. But, yeah, it'll uh, we'll see if that shakes out. And it's just hard to even envision Kentucky and Duke not making the NCAA tournament. But on paper, it's not there right now. But, uh, Andy, a lot of picks in here. I hope uh, I hope the fans dive into it. And, uh, Andy, I, it, we're – just a few days from Selection Sunday. So I'm excited. I hope you are too. Can't wait, Chad. Can't wait. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, big shout out to our Turner Sports team, Abby Stoltz, Chad Acock, Sean Bartley, Michael Kaplan, and the entire NCAA.com team that does an outstanding job repurposing this podcast and everything that we produce. A lot of content throughout the course of the season, and it's all coming this week and next week. We got Selection Sunday on Sunday. We'll have a podcast breaking down the bracket right after. As always, appreciate every one of you. Stay safe. We're going to talk right after we get a bracket. March Madness 365 with Andy Katz, presented by Grammarly. AI seems to be all over the place, but with so many options on the market, how do you know what is good for you and your business? AI is no longer a plaything. It's a business imperative. Companies that already use AI for writing are making gains. If you want to beat the competition, you need an AI writing partner you can trust. One that will help you generate not just more content, but better. Grammarly saves your company from miscommunication and all the wasted time and money that goes with it. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft or the perfect last word written in the company voice, and tailored to their audience and goals. When every doc, message, and email your team writes is clear, compliant, and on brand, everything gets better. Inbox numbers drop, customer satisfaction scores rise, and companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done.